0: exhausted, empty, depleted, tired, we have absolutely all been there. Now we all get there in different ways, there's different things that drain us, like some of you guys, if you had to go talk to people in the lobby or out at a party, you know, if you had to do that for 10 minutes, you you would need like a nap, right, Or, or a hibernation. Some of you guys are just energizes you some of us if if you had to work on a mathematical or an equation or excel spreadsheet which i'm pretty sure that's demonic i don't know i can't figure it out still but that that would just give you life and you guys have problems right but we all get drained in different things like that in different ways but there's one thing that really unites all of our energy and that's food now we're coming up on summer and there's some of you guys you know what you're naturally thin You don't, you know, you just eat cheeseburgers and candy and whatever else you want, and the Lord is not happy with you. (laughs) Maybe the Lord is fine. I'm not happy with you, okay? But either way, right, some of us, you know, you want a summer body and you you really wait till the summer to do something about it. It's really too late at that point. But speaking of energy, um, whenever I graduated high school and I wanted to really put all of my, I, I grew up playing sports and I was looking for something to throw my, my, comp- my competitive spirit like into, and I, ju- I loved working out, so I thought I would throw it into bodybuilding. Now, and maybe you've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. That wasn't what I looked like. I looked more like a cross-country runners, what I looked more like. Um, but I graduated high school and I kept eating like I was in high school, right? Like I was still playing football and rugby all the time. And so I got up to about 240 and decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do bodybuilding. And in about 16 to 20 weeks, I went from 240 to about 175 or so for this bodybuilding show, which I'm not going to show you a picture of that bodybuilding show. Uh, Somebody on staff found a picture of me in my pink posing trunks and made those into coasters. And so... I'm not going to tell you, but he's not on statin. No, I'm just joking, but he, he is on staff. But I will tell you, I was I was drained. I just I didn't really have much support. I just got online and and you know just kind of researched what are you supposed to eat, what are you supposed to do, and I I just never eaten like that. And it was it was wild. I remember one time me and Dad we were going to go see a movie, and that was kind of our thing. We would eat a steak at his house and then go watch a movie. Well. The bodybuilding protocol called for me to eat eight ounces of eye of round, ground, like beef. And you may have never heard of eye of ground beef because it tastes like the skin of the cow is what it tastes like. And dad's got this ribeye that's like pouring over his plate on every side. He, I, I watch because I'm done with mine in like 30 seconds. So I'm just watching him. Just staring at him, eating this thing, right? And then he gets done. He's like, gosh, I'm so full. I don't know if I can stay awake during the movie. And I may have responded poorly, okay? And uh, he was like, oh, are you still hungry? And I'm over there chewing on my plate. I'm like, yes, I'm hungry, right? Uh, it's called hangry, but either way, right? I was just so depleted. And then I remember being up there and, you know, it's, a, I won't go into detail. Either way, I ended up getting like fourth place in this bodybuilding show, and there's only like six people up there, it wasn't great, all right? And so, but I was just so tired, and fourth place just didn't feel like worth it, right? But, and, and actually, what I did, at least what I did know, is I knew where to go to replenish my power and that was to pizza and pancakes that's actually where I went I actually have a picture uh, of IHOP, me there uh, really just re- replenishing myself and, and you may say Zach where's the pizza I ate that on the way to IHOP and, um, and uh, one more little story about that my, my brother Micah, uh, my family was very supportive in this very weird season of my life and Micah actually brought a pizza to the bodybuilding show and you've probably never been to a bodybuilding show wouldn't suggest it, and, but it's a bunch of like, again, I wasn't muscular. Again, looked more like a like a, a, a long-distance swimmer is what I looked like, um, and I'm pasty, so it's a lot of, well, either way, we won't go into detail, but I come off stage, and Micah just thinks the thing to do as a brother is to bring that pizza backstage. Oh, yeah, some of you guys know. What, what Micah didn't know is behind the curtain, there's about a 100 shaved, greasy, oiled up, angry, gorilla-type people, right, all hungry back there. And Micah, just Micah walks out there just fat as a house at 280, just walking around with a pizza, just looking for Zach, right. He said it was the scariest he's ever been. Looked like he was like in like a lion's den with a pizza, right. But there are times when pizza and pancakes just won't cut it. I know, it's hard to believe that there's a place where pizza and pancakes can't make it better but we all know there's times and places where we run out of power that those sources just cannot help they cannot help they can't get us where we need to be right and so where do we turn in times like that where do we turn whenever those sources cannot help Well, there's a passage in the Bible that I bet you've heard at least part of, or at some point you may have heard bits and pieces, or if you've never heard it, you are in for a real treat. This is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible, and I would love it if you would allow me to read it to you. This is Psalms 23, and King David wrote this, and there's only six verses, so let me read it to you and just really let this hit you for where you are in your current season of life. Psalms 23 says this, for the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations say the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever, forever. Do you feel like you are lacking? Do you feel like you lack energy or lack uh, peace or lack rest, comfort, maybe lack companionship? Do you ever feel like your current pace or your current lack of peace is just not sustainable for your professional life, your relational life, your spiritual life? Before we go any further, I just want to pray. Because as you read God's word, this emptiness that so many of us feel, that is not God's plan for you. That is not God's plan for me. So hey, let's just be humble today. Let's surrender today. If you would say, hey, I am lacking. I need more power, peace, or provision. As we pray at all of our campuses, would you just raise your hand right now? If you say, I need more power, peace, provision, just go ahead and raise your hand. God, we come before you right now, hundreds of hands all over, at campuses, at homes, all across. God, and we just pray that you would be exactly what we need. Today, you are going to tell us to do some things, to walk in your power, and I pray that what you say, we will obey. Today, we are here to hear from you. God, we are surrendered, we're expectant. Let us be plugged into your power and your precious name, we pray. Amen, amen. I want to welcome you live at all of our churches, all of our campuses, if you're watching live online or later or God Behind Bars, I am so excited about this series and I know it will be so life-changing to those of us who will allow God to shape our worldview, who will allow God to maybe, or not to maybe, but to plug us in where we need to be plugged in. For the next couple weeks, we will be plugging into One of the most famous passages in all of scripture, and that is Psalm 23, written by King David. And here's what I want to make sure that we continue to just etch this into our life out of Psalms 23. When it's time for a recharge, return to the one in charge. When it's time for a recharge, return to the one in charge. Now there's a lot of similarities when it comes to sources of power. But one of the things that we understand about power most likely is that power needs to be switched on, right? So power needs to be switched on. And probably the source of power that we understand the most is electricity. Now for things to work, the power has to be switched on, right? For your lights to work, the power has to be switched on. For your TV to work. Your light or your your power has to be switched on. For the almighty, the almighty plug that holds your cell phone charger, the power to your house must be flipped on, right? Now, Jesus makes this promise that connects with this subject of power that really is exciting whenever you read it. But if you try to live it, it may bring up some questions about your and I, our connection to power. And it's in one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, Acts 1.8. And this is what Jesus tells his disciples before he goes up to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, can I just make something clear? It doesn't seem like Jesus is very worried about the battery life or the range of this power that, is, that comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place that just brutally murdered Jesus. But with the power of the Holy Spirit it's enough. He he says to go to uh, Judea and Samaria. The racial tension, the hatred, the doubt, the division that would exist in those cities for these disciples was insurmountable. But Jesus said the power of the Holy Spirit is enough. And then he tells them to go to the ends of the earth, places they've never seen, things they can never understand. And hey, these aren't like philanthropists or like wealthy investment bankers or or seminary trained uh, pastors. These are people who are slaves to the Romans. All of these disciples would end up being murdered for their testimony about the risen Jesus. But Jesus said with the Holy Spirit power, it is enough. This is the same power that's been given to us today. When Jesus is going towards the end of his life in the Gospel of John, he's talking with his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he's actually praying for them. But here's something I want to make sure, because some of us would try to make an argument that these promises are for the Holy Spirit, are for the disciples and not for us. But Jesus says this in John 17, 20: My prayer is not for them alone, his disciples but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That is you. That is me. And we have to understand what the disciples understood. See, if you read the Bible, there's a drastic difference between pre-Holy Spirit power disciples and post. A drastic difference. You know, when Jesus is on the cross, suffocating for our sins. There was only one disciple there, just one, and and the women that followed him. The other 11, one was killing himself, Judas, for betraying Jesus. The other 10, denying, scared, running. But whenever they understood The power that we can plug into in the Holy Spirit. They went from scared to bold. They went from private disciples to public disciples. They went from doubtful and fearful to faithful. They went from powerless and spineless to powerful healers, world changers. They learned what we must learn. The everyday power that we need only comes from one source. My question to you, man of God, woman of God, is are you flipped on? Are you plugged in? There's so much more for you if not. Now, before we go any further, there's so much in Psalms 23 that we won't be able to cover in these six weekends. So can I give you two challenges to really take this, just get all you can out of it, and you can take a picture of it or write it down. It will be on the screen. But the first one, it, can I encourage you as a family or as a group to memorize Psalm 23? This, it's, it's six verses. I promise I know that you can do it, right? You know lyrics to songs or sports stats that are way more complicated than this, but this right here is life-changing. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do, is tune into the purpose podcast. Rach and I and some guests. We'll walk through this, how we're applying this, how we're doing this. And hey, if as you go on vacation this summer, we'll be in this series. Take this with you. Keep, keep being generous and do and tithing and doing all that stuff. Don't, un, don't unplug. This whole series is about plugging in. We pray that you realize and make it your reality that we have access to all the power that we could ever need. Yeah. David understood this when he wrote Psalms 23. And that's why David lived a life of power, not a life of perfection. Jesus is not asking for that. Jesus lived the perfect life so you don't have to, but he is telling us, commanding us to live a life of power. We actually see one of the key reasons that David lived the life of power in verse 1 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, I know that you're important. I know you have a lot of stuff going on. A lot of us have some great things before our name. Mr. or Mrs. or lawyer or doctor or teacher or all this stuff. But can I remind you this is King David and he said the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is my co-shepherd. He didn't say the, the, the Lord is the shepherd sometimes. He says the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is his shepherd, what does that make him? A sheep. A sheep. I lack nothing. I wonder if the reason that so many of us feel like we do lack so many things, it's because we have a sheep trying to play shepherd. How silly would that look? If you could put the spiritual eyes on your life, are you a sheep trying to play shepherd? Boy, I know I find myself right there. Can we just be real? Do we find ourselves living a life of power all the time or even most of the time where we could say we lack nothing? A life full of boldness and faith and power. To be so honest, I find myself not living the life of power I'd like to. You know over the last couple months I've shared my faith quite a few times and, and the people I'm sharing with they just haven't gotten saved. There's people I'm praying for and they haven't gotten healed. And I have these negative thoughts about myself, about being able to do all that God has called me to do. And sometimes I look in the mirror. Sometimes even in my quiet time, I look and I ask, where is the power? Do you ever wonder where is the power? Do we wonder where is the power? Let me ask, is there something in your life that's tripping you up right now? Because if there's a breaker that's tripped, if it, it can trip the power off of your life. Is there something that is there something in our world? Actually, let me just tell you this. Church, this is something that our world desperately needs from us. I don't know if you know this, but the generations coming up, our students, they are not less spiritual than past generations. That's not what the Barna survey and all that shows. They are looking for something with power. And can I just tell you what the survey says? They do not see power in Christianity. So this question of power is something that our our world needs. And I pray that they would see the power of Jesus in us. There's been a rise in involvement in Wicca and other religious practices. Those have increased because people are looking for power that can change their life. And I pray that they would find it in the Jesus The power of the Holy Spirit in you and in me, in the church, not the buildings, but you, the church, the believers. But we have to stop running on our own power. The pull up by your bootstraps, grind till it's done. That is not the way that God has called us to live when it comes to spiritual matters. Manpower can only impact earthly issues. Holy Spirit is the only thing, Holy Spirit's power is the only thing that can impact eternal issues. Do you live more by manpower than you do by Holy Spirit power? So let's go back to that, back to us feeling like we don't have power a lot of times. Let me look at, let me look at this verse with you, and this is, this is a challenging verse. I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter this week, but 2 Timothy 3, 5. And I think a lot of people miss what, is, what Jesus wants to communicate here to us. But it says, having a, a form of godliness but denying its power. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now, I don't know what you think that passage means when you read it, but this passage actually means something different than most people believe when they read it without studying what it means. This verse is referring to people who do not give godliness the power in their lives it is supposed to have. This verse is not talking about the power to get whatever you want, the power to make your circumstances comfortable, the power to make your marriage or your friendships or your school easier. But this is talking about giving godliness the power to control, not to get what you want, but to get what God wants out of your life. So what what does it mean when you deny The power of godliness. You would deny the power of godliness when you say, I know that's what you want me to do, God, but I'm going to do this. You are denying the power that God has for you because of a lack of surrender. Do you want God's power as long as it does not override your own? I think that's where a lot of believers are living. I've tried life in my own power. And I've done it, I've done life with too many people who've tried it in their own power and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't have the power, it just doesn't have the juice. I believe that you wanna walk in God's power. I know that I wanna walk in God's power. So today, can I just give you two? Can we talk about two practical things so that we can change our power source this week? I wanna give you two practical ways so that you can test what power you are living by so you can measure it. Now, this is a multimeter, and this multimeter tests the power sources, right? So I want to give us two ways where we can test the power source that we are living by. Okay, so let me give you two ways. The first way that we can test the power source that we are living by is asking what testing the voltage of What is this voice calling me? So test the voltage of the voice and what it is calling you. Now, what name do you go by? And I'm not talking about like at work or at home. I'm talking about in here. What do you call yourself? What do you say about yourself? No one has said worse things about you more often than you. Because God has some things that he calls you. So what do you call yourself? Because actually before I tell you the things that God calls you, thinking about God as our shepherd, in John 10, 3 and 4, Jesus says this. The sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leaves them out. When he has brought them out to all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. When you think about the voice that you are following, what is it calling you? Because Jesus' name for you are loved. You're enough. You're perfectly, fearfully, wonderfully made. No need to earn favor. You're cared for. You're talented. You are a masterpiece made on purpose with a purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but when I deny God's power in my life, those are not the names that I live by. Those are not the names that I call myself. And if I could just give you a, such a practical way, I know we talk about it every week, but tonight at all of our campuses, we have step, step two and three of next steps. Where we're going to talk about your design, talk about your identity, and give you things that God has said about you that you can live by. Please join us for that. Another way that we can, we can test, just just what we're doing in the years, just so we, so we can test is we can test the voltage of the voice by where it is calling you, what it is calling you, and where it's calling you. The power source you currently live by, is it leading you to eternal impact? Is it leading you to win your world? Is it leading you to share your faith, to pray with people, to dive into God's word? Is that the direction it's leading you? Remember that John 10 passage where Jesus described what he would do as a shepherd? He said that he leads us, he takes us out, and we follow him. David in Psalms 23 says, The Lord is his shepherd, that he lacks nothing because he's following him. Let me ask you this man of God, woman of God, where are you going? If you could see Jesus in the flesh, if he was here like he was 2,000 years ago, would he be walking the same way that you are walking every day? The same direction, the same decisions, the same conversations, the same risks, the same miracles. Would y'all be going the the same direction? Because I don't know about you, I know that I'm a dang sheep. And sheep are not safe without their shepherd. Test what it's calling you. And test where it's calling you. Whenever you and I as the sheep decide to go our own way, we deny the power of godliness. So our two ways, we're going to test the voltage of the voice of what it's calling us. And we're going to test the voltage of the voice by where it is calling us. Now, I want to, I really did, I felt led by the Holy Spirit whenever I started preparing for this message on Monday to share a story with you out of Jesus' life. And I don't have time to read it all to you. I'd encourage you to read it this, this week. It's in Mark 5. And verses 1 through 20, something really interesting happens. Jesus goes and, uh, to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came to the tombs to meet him. It says, the man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even by chain. For he had often was chained hand and foot and tore it, tore it apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong to subdue him day and night. Among the tombs and the hills he would cry and cut himself with stones. Listen, if the voice, the power, if, if it's calling you impure, that's up the devil. If it is calling you to places of isolation and aloneness to cut yourself physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, that is of the devil. That voice is not from God. And you may think, well, gosh, what's Jesus about to do? This dude is jacked. This dude is demon-possessed. This dude is cutting himself. This guy is, this guy is, is, he, he can't be bound by chains. What's Jesus about to do? Jesus says, what's your name? Because it matters to Jesus what you call yourself. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you've called yourself or how long you've called yourself. Because his response is, my name is legion, he replied, for we are many. Many what? Not many personalities. Many demons. Come on. Jesus cast these demons out. Jesus. Calls him by a right name. He's put together. But but I I only have time to tell you this last part. This is my favorite part, 18 through 20. It says Jesus was getting in the boat because the people, after they saw that Jesus done this crazy thing, they got scared and asked Jesus to leave. Asked Jesus to get out of their town. So that Jesus is gonna, so hey, whenever you deny the form of godliness and you say, hey Jesus, this life right here, brother, this is not for you to lead, this is for me to lead. Jesus is gonna wait for you to come back, right? He still loves you and cares for you either way. So here, right here. Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, and the man who had been deemed possessed begged to go with Jesus. What do you want to go to? Begged to go with Jesus. Verse 19. Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, that's a region of ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Listen, church. It's, we we got to get past this garbage of believing what the devil says about us and letting him take us where he wants to go with no eternal impact. The world has to be one. Students, man, this summer, what a great time to prepare yourself to go back and see revival in your schools. Parents, what a great time to disciple your families. We had, whenever, this was a demon-possessed man by three to 6,000 demons, and Jesus put him on mission to win his world that day. Church. It's time to wake up. The only thing we're waiting on is for us to plug into the right power. Let's pray and let's respond. God, God, we love you so much. God, we are desperate. More than we are desperate, the world is desperate. The world is being badgered and beaten by the enemy. And I pray that we would surrender. I pray that we would be put on mission. I pray that we would plug in the right power. God, we would not deny godliness, but God, we would live in the power that comes from surrender and do what you call us to do. Right now, we may need to respond. God, we may need to come up and light a candle or take the Lord's Supper or go to a cross and leave something here come to a prayer council, or just make our our seat an altar and surrender for living a form of godliness. Holy Spirit, I pray that everybody at all of our churches who is surrendering to you right now, that you would give them the boldness and the consistency to walk in the power of a life led by you, Holy Spirit. In your precious name we pray, amen.